From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. And I'm Jennifer Schott, budget and appropriations reporter. The Biden administration has officially released their request for fiscal year 2022's discretionary budget. This morning, we are still working our way through that document, but some of the really big takeaways are that the Biden administration wants Congress to increase non-defense discretionary spending by 16% to $769 billion and increase defense discretionary programs by 1.7% to $753 billion. There's lots of elements in the release that came out around 11 a.m. this morning, um, which we and the rest of our newsroom are reading through and breaking down and analyzing. But today we're going to be talking a little bit about what this means for lawmakers um, in the next few months as they start and kind of get really underway with the budget and appropriations process for the fiscal year that begins on October 1st. So, David, just in your sort of top line read of this document this morning, what are some of the big kind of surprises to you? And then what are some of the things that you expected from the Biden administration? It marks a real sharp break from the Trump administration. I mean, think of all these past years here where we've had Trump proposing these big boosts in military spending while trying to slash uh, domestic funding, you know, slashing by a third the EPA, things like that. This is the the exact opposite of that in some ways. Um, Biden wants to hold the line on defense spending, basically just a nominal increase, not even to keep up with inflation, barely. Uh, And he would pump big new money into domestic programs, as you said, a 16% increase in non-defense spending on the discretionary side. That That's a major, major increase for a single year. And so that's where the fight's going to be, is you're going to have Republicans really protesting these big increases in domestic spending while being asked to swallow basically flat funding on defense when they're going to want to see increases again. All the defense hawks will be riled up. That's where the the biggest tension point is. Um, But then if we look at the domestic side, uh, we do see the beginnings here of of Biden's fiscal agenda. And the administration is presenting this budget as a start in making up for what they describe as a decade of of underinvestment in some critical priorities. And one of the big ones, one of the big winners here is the education department. They get something like a 40% increase in their base funding for the coming fiscal year. And that includes this huge increase for the so-called Title I grants for high poverty schools. These are schools that serve very low-income neighborhoods. $36 billion for Title I, that's a $20 billion increase over this year. That's a huge increase. So there's where you start to see some of Biden's priorities uh, make make themselves plain. Yeah, one of the things, the big sort of messages that we heard from the Biden administration this morning, um, particularly in the letter that accompanies the request from acting budget director Shalanda Young, is that they really want to return non-defense discretionary spending 
to what was sort of a historical 30-year average of 3.3% of gross domestic product. And they say that this 16% increase for fiscal year 22 over the current fiscal year would really help them to do that. And other big initiatives in this um, budget request that I noticed are they're really sort of putting out front funding um, for Violence Against Women Act programs and funding to address gun violence. And so it sounds like one of the sort of budget cliches around Washington is always that quote that sort of says, you know, someone's budget are their values. And I think this is something we're going to be seeing from congressional Democrats and the Biden administration for months to come is that there's certain areas of federal spending that they really feel like have left behind and to a certain degree have exacerbated inequality throughout the country. And with this first look at what the Biden administration wants to do with its uh, discretionary spending um, in the upcoming fiscal year, it sounds like those are going to be some of the key legislative goals for the Biden administration. But of course, in terms of getting a final appropriations measure for any of these spending bills, let alone if they're all packaged together in that 12-bill omnibus, lawmakers are likely going to need Republicans on board. And Republicans are already signaling that they are not particularly happy with this 1.7% increase for defense discretionary spending programs. Um, sort of a really important Republican voice on this is, of course, Richard Shelby, the top Republican on the Senate Appropriations Committee. Um, and he said in a statement that, quote, China and Russia are building up their militaries um, and that shortchanging the United States military would signal weakness to them and that he wants to see parity um, in terms of you know, ensuring the country is strong at home and abroad. And so what he's sort of referencing there is that during the past decade, when Congress has regularly negotiated kind of two-year spending agreements, on average, most of the time, they have agreed to sort of dollar-for-dollar dollar increases between defense and non-defense discretionary spending. And so we're hearing from some Republicans that have a very big role in this upcoming process that they want that sort of parity situation to continue. And so I think that's going to be one of the central debates um, on the budget resolutions and on the appropriations process throughout this year. Right. That's where the biggest fight is, I think. And we should say that this is the first time in a decade that they're submitting a budget without any statutory spending caps in place. So on the one hand, you know, th th we had a decade-long uh, deficit reduction law that has now run dry, and there will be no spending caps for the coming fiscal year. On the one hand, that gives the administration a freer hand to propose these big spending boosts on the domestic side. On the other hand, it can make passing appropriations bills much tougher this year because there's no, no bipartisan agreement at all over what spending levels should be right now. And they're this budget submission here is meant to kick off the appropriations process and let them start writing spending bills. Yeah, I think this yeah. is going to be one of the big challenges for congressional leaders, the budget committees and appropriators this year is really settling on the total amount of spending that they want to have for these annual appropriations bills. 
they have gotten together regularly, Republicans and Democrats, in multiple presidencies, several Congresses with different congressional leaders. And during the past decade, they've been able to negotiate top-line spending bills to address um, or sort of get around that 2011 deficit reduction law. And so now that it's gone, it's going to be really interesting in the next few weeks and months to see how the congressional leaders and the Biden administration approach negotiations on total discretionary spending levels. And this budget release, you know, this first of two budget releases from the Biden administration is really going to start that conversation um, and, you know, get negotiations going more likely behind the scenes right now um, about how eventually in several months Congress could come together around bipartisan appropriations bills. Yeah, and we should say the budget they're releasing today is only a so-called skinny budget. It's 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 only the discretionary spending. This does not include the mandatory spending programs, the big entitlement programs. It does not include any tax policy changes. The full budget is expected later this spring. But this is what appropriators need to get going on writing their their annual spending bills. And we should say it amounts to one point five two trillion dollars. That's a lot of money. That's, I think, about 8% more than the current fiscal year. Uh, if you don't count all the, um, the accounting gets tricky because then if you count all, the, all of the uh, non-base funding, they call it, or emergency spending, or um, some of the accounting changes make it not such a big increase overall, but um, still a sizable increase, particularly on the domestic side. Uh, and yet, Jen, this is... $1.5 trillion sounds like a lot, and yet it's dwarfed by the by all of these reconciliation bills coming down the pike, including the $2 trillion infrastructure package that the administration has already laid out. So there's going to be a lot of spending bills coming down the pike here, uh, but this is the one that's going to guide them for these annual bills that they need to get going on for, for the fiscal year that begins October 1st. Yeah, those are separate proposals, right? So the infrastructure proposal from the White House that was released a couple of weeks ago, that is completely separate from the budget right. request that was released today. And so in today's release, another thing that I um, is sort of sticking out to a lot of people is that the border wall is still mentioned in here and could still be a pretty significant issue in the fiscal year 22 appropriations process, even though Trump is no longer the president, his administration is no longer in power, especially with the increase in the number of people coming to the U.S.-Mexico border. There's been a lot of attention on Capitol Hill about immigration policies and funding for the agencies um, that sort of deal with border crossing and things like that, Immigrations and Customs Enforcement and Customs and Border Protection. And those are both within the broader Department of Homeland Security. And the Biden budget request um, doesn't include any significant increases in funding uh, for the Department of Homeland Security. And so that is going to be another really interesting um, element of this in terms of how Republicans react and even how some moderate Democrats approach this um, homeland security element, especially because it proposes canceling um, prior year balances and unobligated funds at the end of fiscal year 2021 for border wall construction. And so that's going to be something that uh, some of the more um, 
vocal members of the Republican Party on border security are likely going to oppose. And so that's something that could cause a lot of headaches for the Homeland Security Appropriations Bill moving forward. We should say some of the other big winners here, the Department of Health and Human Services, obviously, um, you know, fighting this pandemic has taken a toll on them. And they come out with a 23% boost in their base funding. That's a big win. They want to create a new agency called the Advanced Research Projects Agency for Health. That's meant to spur all kinds of uh, medical research into diseases like cancer. Um, that's a that's a big that's a big move, and of course the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, which which has played an enormous role in fighting the COVID nineteen pandemic. The administration argues they've lost something like ten percent of their funding over the last decade if you adjust for inflation, and so uh, there's a big boost for the CDC in here. Um, as well. So they're another big winner out of this, as well as, of course, the EPA, which had just been gutted, you know, at least had to be continuously threatened with cuts under Trump, um, now gets a healthy increase. So those are some some of the changes that you're going to see in terms of domestic priorities. Yeah, it really sounds like the administration's messaging on its fiscal year 22 discretionary budget request is about uh, addressing sort of healthcare disparity in the country, addressing climate change, and addressing education. It really feels like those three broad areas are going to be something we hear a lot about in the coming months from the Biden administration, as well as most likely congressional Democrats. So that's, that's sort of the outline of what we know right now with this discretionary spending request. Again, this is for the fiscal year that begins October 1st. They're already starting late. We should note that this budget is about two months late, this request. That's typical in the first year of a new administration. It takes them a while to get going. Uh, and the Biden people were blaming a lack of cooperation with the outgoing Trump people. So it's it's particularly late, which means appropriators get a later than usual start. But um, they have a lot of work to cut out for them. I, Chances are they won't get this done in time for October 1st, and we'll be looking at another continuing resolution. We all know how that game is played. But at least now the process can kick off, and they have something to work from and something to begin contemplating as they try to write spending bills. And we're going to see how that process goes, and CQ will be covering it all closely for you. That does it for us today. If you have any questions or comments about our podcast, we'd love to hear from you. You can always drop us an email. The address is cqpodcast, one word, at cqrollcall.com. The CQ Budget Podcast is produced by CQ Roll Call, a leader in nonpartisan political and policy news and analysis for more than 70 years. CQ Roll Call is part of Fiscal Note, a global technology and media company. Thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. And I'm Jennifer Shutt, budget and appropriations reporter. You can always stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ Budget Newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, NPR One, or just Google the phrase CQ Budget Podcast. And we'll be back next week. 